Thanks for that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast. Pass us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Eric Dibby, most complained cop, NYPD. This is the 265 Police Live series brought to you by the Finest Unfiltered. Of course, with me, he's the founder and the co host of the podcast, John McCarry, retired lieutenant. John, let's get right into it. Let's talk about the article that came out in Hellgate. Let's go. Article comes out in Hellgate. I don't believe Hellgate's a big fan of this podcast either, but they uh, they actually took notice to the fact that uh, Kaz Daughtry has a little podcast beef. And they basically correlate the video of Kaz Daughtry at that award ceremony, um, basically bashing myself and Eric's career, saying we contributed nothing. And they correlate that. And they basically say that he's, you know, the, the, they show the lack of immaturity in the in the article what, what, what do you think what the funniest part of the article was eric well i thought the whole thing was hysterical but i think the the part that i thought was funny where it talked about it was a rookie mistake for him to mention a podcast or his his disdain for a podcast in his speech but the part that i thought was the funniest where she said if nothing else so it left the innuendo that hey not only does he have a beef with the podcast but maybe he's doing something else towards the podcast other than just having a disdain for it and having a, you know, being emotionally charged against it. But it, it is hilarious. And I agree. Not only, listen, Kaz Daughtry, we know you watch this, but you have to be open to criticism and you have to take it on your shoulders and let it roll off. And then they're not just taking shots at you in that article, but they're taking shots at us. It's kind of funny, right? Well, what do you we think? put out an article a while back about us. Um, I think we put out the statement that, that Phil Caruso, the retired, uh, the the former PBA president, Phil Caruso, when he said, uh, what did he say? He said, police work is a contact sport. It doesn't look pretty on camera. And we did that in regards to an incident in the one one where an officer was suspended after he was punched in the face several times uh, for, for throwing strikes back. So they kind of blasted us in an article with that. Now they're kind of, you know, they put out that whole article, The Table of Success, which I think is pretty funny. It's, an, it's like an interactive uh, article where it, it like basically goes around uh, Eric Adams' tables of, of success. If you remember, he made the statement, all my haters become my waiters. And this, <laughs> I think he was talking about me, Eric, and Sal, but um, <laughs> I, I don't have plans on waiting anytime soon, but I would. I have no problems with, with it. Um, but uh but but uh so that this is this, this article is now now under that that uh table of success under Kaz Daughtry. And I think it shows like again, I think it shows the immaturity on behalf of them. I was a little disappointed that none of the threats that we've been receiving were put in there. Um again, like I do believe that there is a correlation between those threats and this administration. Well, I think the reason why they didn't put the threats, I don't think they're really taking it seriously. I think this was just mocking the, the entire beef that pretty much there shouldn't be a beast. There should not be a beef. Or basically, if you're in such a powerful position as you are, Kaz Daughtry, now the assistant commissioner of the police department, under Chief Jeffrey Madry, you have all this power. You should not be emotionally charged by what two retired lieutenants are saying. I think ultimately that's what it is. Just mocking the whole thing. I don't think they really care about the, 
the situation with us being threatened, especially pictures of, of families, especially young girls and, and a little boy being put out there. The pictures are shared online. Ultimately, it just shows they really don't care about it. Uh, I'm not knocking the reporter. I just think she was mocking the situation because it is funny. It's hilarious. It is funny. It's gotten to this point that two retired lieutenants who've been doing this the entire podcast virtually, who are out of state, as they say, have really have gotten under the skin of Kaz Daughtry and, and the other weak appointed management. It just legitimizes this podcast even more. It legitimizes everything that we've been saying because it's true. So before they were able to fluff the media, but now we hold them ac accountable. So you know what? It's funny, but it's necessary. I got to go laugh at it. Yeah, I, and, and I appreciate them reporting on it, honestly. Um, you know, I've, most of that reporting is anti-police, so I, I was actually a little taken back by it. But I guess it, it's like a weird uh, – it really is a weird dichotomy what's going on now. I mean, because, again, like I said, I think Eric Dan and myself are the biggest supporters of the NYPD, for the rank and file of the NYPD. But the administration has a huge issue, and they really lack maturity, and I believe they lack integrity. And I do believe they are directly linked to the threats we've been receiving. And I think time will tell. I think what happens in the dark will come out in the light. And, um, you know, that's really all I got to say about it, uh, about that article and about anything else. You got anything else on that? No, I think it's great. If anyone has an opportunity to peruse that particular article, I think it's great. There's a couple of links on it. You could actually get to the podcast where we spoke about nepotism in the NYPD, which is a correlation to what's going on with Cass Daughtry. There's a link there to the table of success article, and there's a link to the actual podcast. Uh, like I said, I don't take it personal that they mentioned how you left over the mandate and and uh of course they put out my ccrb record that just it solidifies everything that i've been saying as i am the most complaint cop i wear it and i own it as a moniker because it's something it's a stain that i probably won't be able to lose i'll probably have it forever so that's ultimately the point of this podcast be the catalyst for change and just to solidify and validate our claims this mandate was completely wrong and also if you're out there doing your job and you're doing intrusive police work, you may ultimately be the be the next most complaint cop. And it's almost to me, it's on the uh, it's on the, the lines in the parallel of being accused of rape. If you're ever accused of rape, God forbid. There's no difference if you're accused or if you're actually found guilty. It's a stain on your record forever. It's something that you'll have to explain. It's the same thing having a CCRB record as the most complaint cop or just a high CCRB record. It's something that you can't lose. It's there forever. So. I think that's enough of that. Let's get into the next topic. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. But before we do, I just want to make one comment. I take everything personal. I do. I take, I, from day one, I take everything personal. You know, the NYPD moniker is, we're a family. We're always a family. We'll always be there for you, right? You hear that at all these funerals and everything. We're, oh, you're part of a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and you're going to be there forever. I don't feel like I'm part of that brotherhood and I haven't felt like I'm part of that brotherhood for a long time. And you either, Eric. So I take it all personal. I take it personal from starting with the religious exemptions to when they were telling me to enforce masks on my men and women, when they were telling me to wear a mask, when they were telling me I was dirty. I took it personal when they were telling me that we have to wait for legal to make calls while we're out there in the street in 2020. I took everything personal. I take I take it all personal because at the end of the day, it really is. It really is personal. And these attacks on our children, 
the, the attacks, the smear campaign against our command, I, t- I take it very personal. And, and I don't blame Kaz Daughtry for getting mad at this criticism. I blame that he actually shows it. You know, I get a little mad sometimes when I get when I get criticism. So do you, Eric. But I don't show it. You don't show it. I mean, uh, I mean, it just shows the lack of PR skills that they have, the lack of maturity, the lack of leadership skills. And it's not just him, by the way. I'm talking about you, John Shell. I'm talking about actually the one the, the the person that I look to is is that uh, that isn't that they should all try to emulate is Je- Jeffrey Magic. I mean, the guy's been smeared all over the papers. He doesn't say a word. He goes out there. He smiles. He doesn't say anything. I heard him laughing when Kaz gave the speech, but I don't care. He catches his boy. Kaz is his boy. I, I get him back in Kaz, you know. Um, but Kabam with his friends. I mean, if you're mad because we're saying cops shouldn't hang out there, too bad. Too bad. It is what it is. Let's get into Yusef Salam a little. You going to go, Eric? I thought you put on the video. Well, there's a delay. But anyway, so Yusef Salam, right now, New York City Council member. Uh, this is a prolific case. Of course, it's another diversion from what's actually going on in New York City. But ultimately, it's a it's great topic for conversation. So Yusef Salam is pulled over in a car, black car. It's tinted out, dark tinted windows. Let's keep in mind, there's 70% light transmittal that's regulated for New York State. Without any exemptions, of course. So Yusuf Salam is pulled over. The car stop was conducted extremely professional. His tinted windows were so dark that even a silhouette could not be identified in this particular car. The police officer that conducts his car stop on Yusuf Salam, who is now the motorist of this car, was extremely professional. He had probable cause to, to act on this traffic infraction, which is the VTL of New York State. Probable cause, which is a level four encounter, according to People versus DeBoer Supreme Court case. So what's important to note about this is that it's not a reflection of the How Many Stops Act. So it's our opinion that Yusuf Salam is trying to make a correlation between the How Many Stops Act, why it's going to be important data, and why that's an important bill in reference to this particular car stop. And there's absolutely no relevance and there's no correlation because How Many Stops Act is relevant to level one and level two encounters an encounter which is completely different from a level four encounter which is probable cause for an arrest or a summons or citation so what's important to note about this is that yusuf salam spoke about the encounter that he had with the police officer and it was not reflective but actually came out with body camera it was a complete lie so let's talk about that first Sure. So Yusef Salam, he's a uh, he's newly elected. He was part of the Central Park Five. I am, you know, there's tons of opinions on that case, but Yusef Salam was arrested for rape in Central Park. Uh, he's part of the Central Park Five. There was a documentary I did not watch, so I'm not going to comment on anything on that um, because I really don't know enough about it. I was a child when that happened, and I, I never really looked into it at all. But he was arrested. And later on in years released, and they said that he was wrongfully arrested. And I believe there was a claim that he was coerced into giving a confession. Um, I know under Bill de Blasio, they were released from jail and they were given a large settlement. That I do know. So that that's that's the only thing that I know about the Central Park Five. And uh, so Yusef Salam's a member of that. Now he comes out, he runs for city council. He runs against Inez Dickens. Um, that's up in Harlem. He beats her. He beats the incumbent. He's an insurgent candidate. He beats her. Um, and he comes in and now he's a, a newly minted uh, New York City councilman. 
he is voted to the, the, the chair of public safety, which is a big position as it relates to public safety in New York City, as it relates to any legislation that comes down involving the police department policy or, you know, your interaction as men and women on the street, like what what laws are going to be passed, what laws you have to abide by vehicular, what and basically the direction of the police department. So he comes out, he stopped by the police, like Eric said, um, and he gives a statement. So I'm sorry, he he comes out, he says that when he when he becomes the head of the public safety chair, Eric Adams takes the advice of this podcast, vetoes that bill, tries to gather support to get the, the how many stops bill overturned. Yusuf Salam comes out and, and says, I will do a ride along with the NYPD. Now, that ride along was scheduled for last night, but Yusuf Salam canceled that ride along because the night prior, he was pulled over by the police and he gives the statement. And Eric, I just want to give his statement real quick before you go so everyone knows what it was. Um, and and this is what this is what he says. He gives the statement the next day. He says, I'm not going on the ride along anymore. I was pulled over by the NYPD. I'm just going to give you a snippet. He gives a very large statement, but I'm going to give you a snippet. This is what he says. Last night while driving with my wife and children and listening to a call with my city council colleagues on speakerphone, I was pulled over by an NYPD officer in my beloved village of Harlem within the 2-8 precinct. I introduced myself as Councilman Youssef Salam and subsequently asked a police officer why I was pulled over. Instead of answering my question, the officer stated, we're done here, and proceeded to walk away. So, I mean, there's much more to that statement, but what do you, what do you think about that, Eric? I have a huge problem with that statement. First of all, it's an outright lie. Thank God. Thank God this time the body camera was released immediately for transparency purposes. So John and I both recently did a podcast where we talked about should body camera footage be released immediately? Should it be in real time? And the answer is yes, except for a, a, except for a couple of exceptions. Uh, John and I agree and disagree on some of these things, but in, in the, for the most part, body camera footage should be released immediately. I do believe there are exceptions, very few, but for the most part, they should be in real time whether it's favorable or unfavorable to, to the NYPD. But in this particular case, it was favorable to the NYPD. The police officer was extremely professional. But what I find most problematic is that you said early in his, his tenure now and with, with the New York City Council cannot be trusted. He, he gave an outright lie to the public, and I believe that he has to be held accountable. I don't mean as far as any formal discipline, but I think the public needs to hold him accountable, so does the media, and so does the police department, and acknowledging that an outright lie will not be acceptable and that he should be ex he should expect to be pulled over by the NYPD, especially when his car is not up to regulation and he has such excessive tint on his windows. So I'm going to I'm going to say that I do believe he should be removed from the chair of the, the public safety committee. I believe he should be removed from the committee itself. I think Adrian Adams should do that. I mean, this is a, a it's a glaring lie. I was pulled over and the cop said we're done here and pulled away. Uh, I'd like to play the video now and then get your thoughts on that. Eric. Uh -huh. 
Roll the back one for me too. You roll your back window, please. Hey, hello. I'm Officer Kentucky from the 26 Precinct. I'm just Council saying, Member Salam. Oh, Council Member? This district, district nine. Oh, okay. Uh, Have a good one. Yeah. yeah, you're working, right? All right, take care, sir. How is that for racial profile? Well, first and foremost, before we get to the whole racial profiling aspect and the bias that we perceive from the Civilian Complaint Review Board, first thing I can say is this. The ability for police officers, especially those that have the honor of being named and referred to as cop because they have that trained eye, is just, it's just a complete phenom. It's, it's, it's fantastic to actually witness this and watch this. Because, John, you and I both have been in a situation where you conduct a car stop, you have the traffic infractions, you have dark tinted windows. But immediately, that police officer, I don't know him personally, but I can say immediately, that police officer is a cop. Because immediately, his trained eye, and he knew in seconds that, he, that, the, that the council member was credible, that he believed he was a council member, and he knew from the stop immediately that he could, he could exercise discretion at that point. And no... And, he didn't see any reason to carry on that conversation even further, which I totally agree with. At that point, why carry on the conversation? He decided to exercise discretion. He felt that he was credible. He was confident that he, that he probably had a license registration insurance. Even though he did have Georgia plates, excessive tint, he felt that the interaction was credible. And that, I, 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 I say, is the ability of a, of a police officer, especially a cop, having that trained eye and the ability to make a decision within seconds based on that quick observation what do you think i think the cops did a great job i think they were i think they were consummate professionals i honestly think they should be lauded i think they should get a public apology from the councilman um and and you know i i just i can't say enough about what a great job they did and i think you're right i think the kid is very sharp the, especially the one that approached the car uh you see that you cannot see anything you cannot see the silhouettes of any individuals in that vehicle so to make claims that police stop based upon racial profile, especially when you're being stopped for very dark tints, is laughable because you could clearly see you cannot see the silhouettes of, a, of, a, of people in there. You don't know how many people are in that car. You don't know if they're male, they're female, they're white, they're black. You have no idea. You can't see anything. So he asked the, the driver, please roll down the back windows, too. And he, you could see his flashlight shining back in his face, almost blinding him. So when he approaches the car, he does so tactically and. You know, I think he does a great job. He uh, he uh, he observes the two children are in backseat right away. and He lowers the flashlight as not to to cause any harm to their eyes or or to, to make them become confused in any switch way. So he lowers the flashlight right away. He gets up to the vehicle. The, the council member identifies himself as a council member before the officer could say, boo, he, he identifies himself. The officer is then says, OK, sir, have a good day. But the officer is so sharp, he hears that he's on a conference call. He hears that he's on a conference call. He goes, oh, you're working right now? Almost to make like a, 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 like a real small talk as he's walking away. And the councilman goes, yeah. He goes, okay, sir, have a great day. And leaves as to not inconvenience the council member. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, the only thing this officer has done wrong, in my opinion, 
is he extended professional courtesy to someone who clearly doesn't deserve it? This cop was very sharp. I, I don't know this cop personally, but just from this this quick snippet, this body cam footage, I, I can see that this cop carries himself extreme professional manner. The cop did a fantastic job. His approach to that car was the tactics were on point. The conversation that he engaged with the motorist was absolutely perfect. The observations that he made immediately were on point. He was he was sharp. This is this is a police officer. I think that should be emulated amongst the amongst the NYPD. The problem is this. He's in a lose-lose situation. So uh, immediately when he when he was encountered by the motorist, and the motorist identified himself by a council member, at that point it was a lose-lose situation. If he gives him discretion, it's open to interpretations, open to conversations, open to a potential civilian complaint for making that stop. And if you write to summons, obviously it's, it's a catch-22. It's a lose-lose situation. If he writes that summons, it could be held to pay. The council member behind closed doors could want a favor for this police officer to get transfer transferred or some type of backdoor deal so the police officer gets a smack from the city council member. How do we know this? Because this this story has been is is, is a tale all time. I mean, we watch shows like The Wire. That's something. The Wire, I think, is the probably the most realistic cop show you'll ever see. And that's something that would come up in the show. Things like that, where a council member or some type of city local politician would want some type of slap, some type of re repercussions to a police officer, police officer for some interaction that they had. So this is not a far, far this is not far from the truth. No, I think the I think the wire is the most realistic show I've ever seen about a big city in my life. Not even just police work, politics, education, street life, growing up in the in in the street. I think the why whoever wrote the why was definitely from New York and they would definitely had very intricate knowledge of the NYPD. I because that, that show blew me away. It really did. I was like, I, I I don't watch much TV, but that show hooked me. I think I was I think I had the uh I think I was out with the flu one 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 week and I, I watched it. I binge watched the entire thing and I was like, this is unbelievable. That show was um, amazing. Amazing. Great show. But yeah, so so again, going back to the stop. The council member has Georgia plates. And to me, if that's his car, that's another severe problem here because he has Georgia plates. So we know that the council member lived in Georgia to run for New York City, uh, for any seat in New York City, which myself and Eric may or may not do at some point. We explore the option. Um, we keep it in our heads. But if we do, we will be required to move back to New York City a year prior to that election taking place. Okay, so we we required which to which to our knowledge the council member did right. He's a seated council member, but when we do so, we will have thirty days to register our vehicles back in New York. That which is required by law. Um, apparently, we're being told that the council member moved back in twenty twenty two, which means that was almost two years ago, um, and his plates are still not up to date. Also, I believe on the stop report by the officer, it was given that he was also traveling at a high rate of speed. So I do believe for someone that is going to make law, for someone that is going to enforce law, you should also have to follow the law. However, I'm going to give a little snippet here. Tinted windows. I do believe that if you're a public figure, if you're a high profile individual, if you're a police officer, I do believe that you should be exempted from tinted windows being uh being a violation for you 
Um, I don't believe that will exempt you from being pulled over for it, but I just don't believe that it should it should be a violation. What, what do you think about that statement, Eric? We spoke about this before. We spoke about this offline. And uh, that that statement, I agree with. And I can tell you why. First-hand experience. So when I was working at PSA 7 in the South Bronx, sometimes, I, sometimes on my way to work, I would have to drive on streets where the housing developments were on both sides of the street. And obviously, we would get a heavy flow of traffic. I was the special operations lieutenant at PSA 7. I was well-known. I was at the front line with, with with my special ops teams out there making a lot of arrests, getting guns. So everybody knew who I was, and I did not have tinted windows. So it was almost like I was driving around in a big fishbowl because there was one time where I was driving, I got slowed up in traffic. I was in housing, and a couple of gang members happened to happened to walk past my car, and they were slowly walking past. And once they realized it was me, it was almost like I was in a fishbowl, and the piranha the piranhas started to surround the car. And I never carried my firearm, so I. I I didn't engage into uh it didn't get to that point where I had to engage them. Uh, but I could definitely see if this happened more often, it could get to that point. So I definitely think that there should be certain occupations that have an exemption to have tinted windows. However, that doesn't negate the fact that the stop was authorized and was was done in good faith. I, I do believe the police officers had probable cause. And what we see a lot, so John and I have we're pretty outspoken about this on social media. And we've been engaged by opposition when it comes to this stop. And what we've heard from uh, some of the haters towards the podcast and towards police is how did you how do you know that it's the tint is excessive without using meter? And I can tell you this: New York State, in order to have regulated windows, it's seventy percent light transmittal. Seventy percent light transmittal. Seventy percent light transmittal is basically a clear window. So. You don't need a tint. You don't need a meter to actually identify and use your naked eye to know that tint is excessive. And on the flip side of that, police officers, especially in New York City, especially with the crime rates going on right now, should not be addressing windows that are on the cusp of being clear. And you actually need a meter. This particular car, these windows were so egregious, were so dark. You do not need a meter. I can tell you just by looking at those windows, it's probably five to ten percent light transmittal which means it's excessive in the start. You could not even see the silhouette of the occupants in the rear of the car and also the motorist. He had no knowledge that the motorist was black and the motorist was a council member until he, until he approached it. Actually, the window was down and he saw the driver's face. At no time did he know if it was male. He didn't know if it was female. He didn't know if, it was, if, if he was black. He had no indication until he approached that car, even with the flashlight, because when the tint is so dark and you hit those, that tint with the flashlight, the reflection bounces back at you. So what, what's your take on that? I mean, to even just ask why, how, how do you know what's illegal when you stop? Um, you have tint, you have tints on your window. I cannot see a silhouette. Um, you don't need the tintometer, which I don't even know if any of you guys or girls really have ever even seen that. And I don't believe you need it because I could look at cars right now and go, that's 30, that's zero, that's that's 10, that's 15. I know just by eyeing cars. I know cars. I, I, I knew that most kids in the street know that they could tell you what the tints are without without the tint the tintometer, especially when you can't see in the car. Cars blacked out. There's zero percent light transmittal. Um, if you put your hand behind that window and you can't see your, your hand through that window, guess what? It's too dark. Um, that's through our training, our experience, our knowledge, you know, the people, people, you know, get into, into just, just little stupid intricacies because they're trying to find anything now 
to say that this officer did something wrong. And the thing that they're trying to say that he did wrong now is that he didn't explain the reasoning for the stop. Now, again, I had tints on my car and I would get pulled over and I never, ever, and I didn't even care if I don't have tints on my car and I got pulled over and I wasn't doing anything wrong. Anyone that knows me, you know, I drive like 30 miles an hour. Everybody makes fun of me. You drive like an old lady, pull over, let me drive. Um, you know, all these, you know, I constantly, everyone knows I, I take it, I take it easy. I don't care. I'm in no rush. I let people go around me. I wave. Everybody's cursing at me, giving me the thing and beeping the horn. I could kill us. You come, you come driving up my butt. I drive slower. But there were times I was pulled over and I literally had no idea. And I didn't, in my head, I didn't do one thing wrong. I, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But I got pulled over. I've never, ever asked the cop, what did I do? Never. Because to me, it's almost, dis it's, to me, it's almost disrespectful, right? Like, more than, I did something. Like, I don't know what it is. What was, was something hanging in my rear view? There's something. There's a million violation. I did something. I'm getting pulled over for a reason. Um, and I would just, you know, I would do the same thing. Keep my hands on the steering wheel with my ID, with my ID out. And, I'll, you know, roll down all my windows, put my interior light on. Oh, oh, how you doing, sir? Oh, good. All right. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Boom. I don't need to know why I was pulled over. I don't think that I was pulled over because I was bald or I was Italian or anything like that. Do you think he was required to tell in that situation, in that specific situation with professional courtesy, extending professional courtesy? Do you think it was required to tell why he was being pulled over when he clearly wasn't asked? No, I, I don't think so. I think if the council member had asked, hey, by the way, what was the reason for the stop? And if he failed to acknowledge it at that point, then I could see it to be an issue because that would be a lack of courtesy, professionalism, and respect. However, the fact that he immediately exercised discretion, I don't think there's a, a reason to even explain it. And let's be honest, and I'm talking to you, uh, you said the council member. Uh, this is not a disrespect to you, but let's be honest. You knew exactly why they pulled you over. Everyone knows that you can't have tint in, in, in New York State, especially New York City. You're well aware of the infractions that you had. Everyone knows it. When you're driving, most people know if they're speeding. Most people know if they failed the signal. Most people know if they went through a stop sign. He clearly knew. He clearly knew. What I think they're doing, I think that they're drawing straws here. And I think that the, the, the stop was so professional. And the council member got caught with his pants down, completely lying about the entire event, the entire incident. I think that he was he sought every opportunity to get out of this ride along and he sees the opportunity with this with this interaction create some type of controversial atmosphere some political theater to this car stop and really there's nothing to it the car stop was was maybe 10 seconds long i didn't record it but the officer approached extremely professional he rolled down the window it was a quick conversation he made the observation that he was credible he exercised discretion he moved on i don't even know why we're talking about this but what I do know is this is my ultimate fear. So John and I attend CCRB virtual meetings on a monthly basis. We give testimony and we've been pretty adamant and expressive for the public to understand that this racial and bias profiling investigations by CCRB are mostly charged and not based on fact and based on emotion. And that's the problem. That's the problem I see where if this goes to the civilian complaint review board, that where this case could go and how they could substantiate to this officer, despite the professionalism that he exercised in this actual police car stop. 
That's where I see the problem is that they could say that the reason why he did not explain the reason for the stop, because what was going on in his head was biased and racially charged. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? And how do we how do we explain that to the public so they understand? If Councilmember Salam wants to file a complaint against their officer, the complaint's going to be for profiling because that is basically, if you read through his statement, that is what he alleges on why he refuses to go on the ride along is because clearly unconstitutional stops are happening where there's a heavy twinge of racial bias and racial profiling, something along those lines and substance, some in substance, he states, he states it in my, the way I read that is that he's alleging profiling. I do believe that the officer is black that he is speaking that that pulled um, Yusef Salomo, but that doesn't matter, right? Because facts don't matter and things don't matter and common sense doesn't matter. So, Councilmember Salam, if he files a CCRB, it's going to be for profiling, and you know what? It's just as ridiculous as the allegation of profiling itself because it's a ridiculous allegation. Doesn't matter that I had tints. Doesn't matter that I was speeding. The officer pulled me over because I'm black. He couldn't see me in the car, couldn't see me in the car, couldn't see me anywhere. But that's why he pulled me over because it's based upon my feeling. That's what I feel. He pulled me over because I'm bold. He pulled me over because he doesn't like my podcast. Whatever that is, it's profile. And like like we've we've said on this podcast prior, it's one of the. I think in my opinion, it's impossible to charge without bias on the part of the investigator. You have to have bias on the part of the investigator without the subjects telling you, yes, I pulled all Eric Dim over because he's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Without the subject admitting that, yes, that is the exact reason I pulled him over. There is no way to prove that allegation. How do I prove a feeling? Yeah, no, I know. I know I was, everything I was doing. I know I was driving drunk. I know that I have tints on my car. I know that I was speeding. But that's not why Eric pulled me over. He pulled me over because I'm bald. Profile. Well, to reflect on that and go even further, I think it's impossible to prove or disprove a racial or bias claim. And that's the problem. And I think that this police officer, as extreme professionalism that he displayed in this car stop, which is something we should want for every police officer to carry out within the NYPD and any law enforcement throughout the country. This this car stop here, I think, is, is a model car stop of how a police officer should conduct himself. But with that being said, you're right. I think it's impossible to prove, but what's also impossible is to disprove it. So if Yusan wants to make a claim against him and say that he was pulled over because he was black and he felt that was the reason for the car stop, it's pretty tough to disprove it. He'll always have that allegation against him, despite the fact that the tint is so excessive and so egregious that he can't even identify the silhouette. But I think people, again, they suffer from the Dunning-Kruger effect. They don't understand the nomenclature of a car stop, and especially to understand that when you pull someone over with dark tinted windows, you cannot even identify the silhouette. So if anyone at home, if you're just curious, try it at home. If, if you know anyone that has excessive tint or if you're someone who's out of state, maybe in Florida where tint is uh, permitted in those states, some dark tints, especially because of the sun, because of the heat. See, at, you know, during the nighttime, in the, you know, if you walk up to a car and the, those windows are closed, could you actually identify the silhouette inside that car? And the answer is no. So I think it's impossible to prove or disprove these racial and bias cases. But I do believe if that is where this is going to go, and that's the problem for this officer, it's just 
it, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. You cannot prove it or disprove it. And it just shows that this is the weight that's coming from the Civilian Complaint Review Board. The Civilian Complaint Review Board was uh, was indicating how they had lost they had lost funding and they had to cut back on certain complaints that they investigate. But they were not willing to cut back in the racial and bias investigations. So that leads me to believe that it's easy for them to substantiate. Only when there's bias on the part of the investigator, because for several years, the NYPD has been investigating profiling cases. And I believe they substantiated like 0.4% of, of the investigations, whatever. I don't know that that's the exact number, but basically none, almost none of the thousands, like only a few that, again, because they used bias on the part of the investigator. Because I don't believe anyone's going to admit to that. Yes, I did. I did. I pulled him over because he's black. And I don't believe that that's actually going on in New York City. Either. I don't believe that that's, that's exactly what's going on. So black guys in Harlem, black cops in Harlem are pulling over black people because they're black. What, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, but whatever. Who, who knows? I, I don't know. We, we're just dumb cops on the show. So maybe maybe that is going on. Maybe that is going on. But let, But like, let's talk professional courtesy here for a second. I, like I said, I've never asked a cop why I was pulled over. I don't care why you pulled me over. You're, I don't want to get into it with you. I don't want to waste your time. I feel bad that you pulled me over, whether I understand why that reason is or not. Officer pulls over Yusef Salam. He lets Yusef Salam go. He rushes out. Yusef Salam never asks him why he was pulled over. He kind of gets out of the way of him because he sees he's on the phone with city council. He hears it in the background because he's shocked. Oh, how you doing, sir? No problem, sir extends professional courtesy and should um, the council member get professional courtesy, that's up to an objective. But I'll tell you right now, like Eric said, if that officer didn't, he's going to have a big problem. He writes that summons. He's going to have a big problem. He already has a big problem just because he did his job. He's already at the target of a political witch hunt just because he pulled this, this, this council member over was courteous, professional and extended courtesy. So now I'm going to put it on the other end. I've pulled over numerous cops with tinted windows. I've pulled over black cops with the chip on the shoulder. Would you pull me over for? And I would give them the same attitude that they would give me. I'd be like, why do you think I pulled you over? Why do you think? I don't know. I'm like, oh, you don't know that tents are illegal? You're a police officer. You don't know that tents are illegal? Oh. I was like, oh, maybe should I, you want me to write your summons so I so we could verify it? And no, okay. And then I would leave, right? And I would walk away. Like, how does a cop not know why I'm pulling you over because of the tints? And and honestly, I think it's a rude question to ask when you're a police officer, when you're getting professional courtesy, because especially when you have blacked out tints on your car, what do you pull people over for, right? And then the same thing. When I worked on Staten Island, I'd get some mo. Yo, what are you pulling me over for, mo? They think they're John Gotti and they think that there's someone special and they're getting pulled over. And it's like, I'm like, dude, you want me to write you summonses for the for the tents on your car? Like, what do you mean? What am I pulling you over for? You don't know. You were speeding. You're on your phone and you got tints. You don't know why I pulled you over. You need you need an explanation of that. You know, and, and that's where I think that cops are are really a lot of them, not all of you guys. But a lot of cops are dumb and they give a bad perception to the public. And that's why the public doesn't like you because of people like that and chip on your shoulder like that and not realizing your own and not being humble and not realizing what you do. Oh, no, you should be allowed to speed, have tints and be on your phone because you're a cop. 
And everyone should know who you are, by the way. The politicians love the buzzword de-escalation, right? We talk about de-escalation all the time. I think what the police officer did, first of all, I want to go back and say that, again, he was extremely professional. I think he was a model police officer. I think he's a cop. I don't even have to know him just from that interaction. If I was a special operations lieutenant, that's somebody I want on my team. I think what he did was the art of de-escalation. Once he... Once he saw that he pulled over a council member who was conducting professional business on the phone, he had children in the back. There was no reason to take this even further. At that point, you want to disengage to the public, hope they understand this, and the cops that are out there understand. You had that, that interaction. You want to disengage and get back to your car as soon as possible. There's no reason to carry it on any further. There's every reason for this police officer now to be in an uncomfortable position at this point, realizing he pulled over someone who is a council member that may take this interaction the wrong way and put him in a very, very vulnerable position in his career. Whether he's right or wrong, and we've seen it before, and I'm sure we'll see again, because of the nature and the power that a council member may have, the friends that they have. The relationship they have, the nepotism could pull the weight on this police officer. So I think the fact that he immediately, once he identified him and he exercised discretion and immediately withdraw from that interaction was the art of de-escalation. I think he did a fantastic job. I think there was absolutely no reason to now explain why you conducted the stop and carry on even, even further. And I'll say this. I do believe if he stood there and started to explain why he pulled him over, it could come off as now... The police officer is trying to have a power trip over the council member. So I think that was extremely professional, and that was the smart decision. 100%. My man has a black belt in verbal judo. Why keep that interaction going? Why why say anything that could be misconstrued even further? Because I clearly it was misconstrued, right? Clearly his words were misconstrued even when it was on camera, right? Even when it was on camera, Things were omitted and it was misconstrued, right? And and questions were supposedly asked that never were. Now, uh, I think we should also get into the release of the body camera and the statement. I want to read the statement by the NYPD. They, uh, you know, I spent all day yesterday um, advocating for the NYPD to release the body camera. And they actually did, to my shock, which I never thought that they would. Um, to my shock, they released the body camera. Um, so I, with the statement, by the way, they gave a statement and they did the vehicle stop report, which is another report that cops have to do where you have to document the race and the gender and the this and the that of the individual that will ultimately be used to to try to prove a bias against police officers using sheer number alone. Uh, another nonsensical report that they're trying to do, just like this, how many stops are. So at approximately 6.20 p.m. yesterday evening in the 2-6 precinct, an officer pulled over a blue sedan with a Georgia license plate for driving with dark tint beyond legal limits, a violation of New York state law. The officer approached the vehicle, identified himself, asked the driver to roll down his windows. The driver complied and identified himself as New York City Council Member Yusef Salam. 
uh, performing official duties, at which point the officer advised him to have a good night. The entire account is corroborated by body-worn camera and the vehicle report. As the video shows throughout this interaction, the officer conducted himself professionally and respectfully. He followed all proper procedures, including procedures that were put in place after Detective Russell Timoshenko was shot and killed through tinted windows in 2007. This officer should be commended for his polite, professional, and respectful conduct and for using his discretion appropriately so the council member could complete his official duties. To be clear, however, last night exchange was not a level one interaction. As any vehicle stop is, by definition, a level four encounter, since the officer had probable cause of a violation of the New York vehicle and traffic law. And the following NYPD procedure, all vehicle stops are already properly documented with the re vehicle report, as was done here. Eric, what do you think about that? Ditto. The police officer was extremely professional. It's a level four encounter. It's not a level one encounter. There's no relevance to this How Many Stops Act. Everything was done by the book. The only reason why this is the topic of the conversation is because Yusuf Salam himself made this a big deal. This is the run-of-the-mill car stop that's conducted thousands of times a day on New York City streets where police officers act extremely professional. Police officers time in and they time in and time out are investigating cars. We have a grand lawsuit problem right now. We have robberies. We have shootings. We have, despite what what the mayor tells the uh, the public, crimes out of control right now in New York City. The police officers are doing their job. They're doing intrusive police work. It's funny you said the only thing that the police officer did was wrong was not issue the summons. I say. Right now, the only thing the police officer did wrong was actually do intrusive police work. This is the sad part. So the police officers that do the most, that take the most action, that are self-initiating police work to combat the crime going on in New York City through vehicle traffic law and also crime that's on the street doing intrusive police work, they're the ones that pay the biggest price. I know because I was that person. So this police officer, if he would have just let the car drive by and never pay any mind to it and just or completely oblivious and ignored the car that it had tents and never conducted the car stop, he would not be the subject of conversation and not involved in a controversial car stop. This should not even be the topic of discussion. The only reason it's topic of discussion is because Yusuf Salam took the opportunity himself to get out of this ride along and also to make a controversial issue, again, to try to strip away the layers at the police department. And this is further abolishment of the police, even if it means lying to the public. So, you know, I've been, we've been very critical of the upper echelon of the NYPD. It is my contention that they are directly related to a known monster threatening myself and an active on-duty member of the service threatening myself and Eric's children, um, as well as numerous other nonsensical things that I could care less about other than identifying that cop and how and what that, that other guy was told about us. Um, so those two things I have huge problems with, but I will say in this case, you guys are welcome. John Shell, Tariq Shepard, Kaz Daughtry, you're welcome for taking the advice, but you guys messed up. You guys messed up because clearly I'm a fan of transparency and you're not right. So now the NYPD is in the right and you released a body cam, which I think was a great job. I even like your little statement, which I don't think was necessary, but I'd like your little snippet that you wrote. And I think it was great. And I think it was very accurate. But what if the table was turned? 
What if you looked at that video and it was really bad? And you're like, wow, it kind of shows that there might be a bias because of the things the officer said to him. And then when he got back in the car or prior to stopping him, whatever it is, what if it was really unprofessional? Would you ever release that body camera? Because it's my contention that you should, right? Because what'd you do? Jamani Williams put out a tweet last night. He said something along the lines of, oh, wow. I didn't know that the NYPD could release body camera videos right away. Duly noted. Some, something along those lines. And it's and it's it's so true. So true because it's arbitrary. Why is it up to the police commissioner when body camera comes out? If it's for public transparency, why could there be a political spin put on any of this? Why does the police commissioner get say of what gets out and what doesn't? Like I said, if there's privacy issues, take out those privacy issues. Edit the video. Give yourself a time frame. But I think you guys messed up. I think I think you guys did a good job by clearing the officer and showing the smear campaign against yourselves and this department and actually fighting back for once. So I applaud you for that. But you don't realize the greater picture, because like I said on the last podcast, what I say five years from now, probably less than that body camera video will, will be accessible to everybody. So why not start moving towards transparency instead of less transparency and bullying your critics like you clearly do, but also taking their advice? <laughs> well, I, I had said it earlier on this podcast, but you and I discussed it. I do believe that whether body camera footage is favorable to the NYPD or unfavorable, it should be released immediately except in a few cases where there may be a short delay, as you said, taking some stuff out for privacy issues, but we'll talk about a short delay. It should be released at all times. We should be able to own a good interaction and take credit for it. But at the same token, with great power comes great responsibility. We should be able to take ownership of a negative interaction, even an interaction that has a bad light on the police department. And that's where strong leadership comes in, where they have the opportunity to say, hey, we, not these officers, but we failed the public and we're going to explore what happened here and we are going to make moves to fix it. That's what I expect from the police department. Not saying they did it, pointing blame, but saying we did it. When your police officers take action, in this case, Make no mistake about it, the upper echelon is taking credit for the professionalism of this police officer. And I believe they have the right to do that when they're in a leadership position. But if there is an incident that is unfavorable, well, they should also own it and take the blame for it as well. So the, the coin has to be analyzed on both sides. So one more thing I'd like to analyze. So on a prior podcast, we had Edwin Raymond on our show, who was a whistleblower for the police department. He himself had actually campaigned and ran for this actual same position that USAM is in right now. And when Edward Raymond was on the show, he discussed that if he was police commissioner, what he would implement. And he discussed documenting an actual warning, a, a police encounter. So I, I, I do have varied opinions on it, but I do believe that in this case, I agree that that, be, that should be something that we explore. So Edward Raymond, if you're watching this, I, I know we will have you back on this show soon. We'll discuss more issues. And I do respect uh, your uh, insight on the possibility of having a warning. And the reason being, I do believe that 
perks should be allowed in all different careers. So being a council member, it should be a perk that that discretion could be exercised because of the position that you have. You are serving the city. So it should be a perk that, that for a small or minor in, infraction that it can be overlooked. However, how often are we going to overlook something until it's actually corrected? So at some point, it would have to be documented somewhere where Yusef Salam was actually given warnings about these tints because eventually he does have it corrected. Or is he just going to drive around for the next two or three years with Georgia plates and excessive tint and just saying he's a council member and, again, getting discretion? So I think at some point it has to be addressed and this condition has to be corrected. Yeah, I have no issue with the warning. I mean, my, my only thing is, like, how much paperwork are these guys going to do? I'm told, like, they're, they're literally secretaries, dude. Like, a vehicle stop report, uh, this stop report, that report, a use of force report, and this. I mean, you have the body camera, right? Just keep the body camera on all day. Get artificial intelligence to generate these reports at this point. I mean, the, the, the stuff's there. If any of you guys watch our clips, they're all AI generated. We don't do anything. They're all AI generated. So, I mean, you, they, there's AI out there that could take your body camera and, and move it right onto a report. There you go, Kaz. Another piece of advice for you. Um, so you should look into that since you're the, the drone boy um, or the, the technology boy. So look into that because I think that's a way to alleviate all this stuff. And then you can have all these reports and throw them in Microsoft Buy and look at all your statistics and do all that stuff. And really deduct absolutely nothing from any of it. But you'll give uh, the Petri a good job to have another another few things for him to look at. Um, but the, the, the other thing I want to highlight, though, is the unions. Now, Hendrick put out a statement defending this cop. But. But. That's not enough. That is not enough. And I always believe a great defense is a good offense. So if there's a if there is a CCRB, and I believe that there is one, and I'm 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 almost a hundred percent positive that whether Yusef Salam called up or not, now that CCRB has the ability to generate their own cases, they have generated a case. Should be seeking your lawyer right now. And suing, the, and suing for a false complaint. You should look to sue for a false complaint or defamation on behalf of this police officer because things have to stop. And, you know, we're always, we're, you're always the bigger guy, right? You're always, the police department's always the bigger person and they're not going to go after anyone but their critics. And they're always going to be, have tough skin, except when it comes to me and Eric. Um, and they're never going to, you know, and they're, they're you know, they're always going to take the high road. But, I don't believe this is the high road to take. And I do agree with Eric. And we did a Twitter space last night about it uh, with a bunch of people. And, and Sal Greco was on. And Sal even said, I think this officer is going to gonna be the target of some, type, of some type of retaliation over this. And the more I think about it, I think Sal's right. I think Sal's right. And I think you guys need to go on offense with this, not to prove a point to protect the officer, but to also set a precedent of what happens when you lie about the New York City Police Department, when you lie about your stop with the New York City, with a New York City police officer and smear the guys and girls that are out in the street. Show them that you actually have their back. Maybe you won't lose 3,000 this year. Maybe you'll lose 2,800, but it's a start. 
best offense. I'm sorry, best defense is a great offense. You're right because the best. It's better to have action than reaction. So I think the police department should take a preemptive strike right now when it comes to the unions. The unions themselves should take a preemptive strike to constantly put this out on social media. They should be out there with signs. They should be holding Yusuf Salam accountable through social media. This should be they should be screaming at the top of their lungs through social media. Everybody should see this. Everybody should hear this. Again, take a preemptive strike towards CCRB. Because ultimately, and you and I know, you know what's interesting about this podcast? I think this actual podcast where we talk about Yusuf Salam and the car stop itself is really reflective and relates to a lot of other podcasts that we've actually done. And one of them, we, we, we've done it. One, one of the issues that we spoke about is indemnification. So it's really important to, to know that this officer was extremely professional. And I do I do agree with you that the CCRB is going to self-initiate a case on bias, and they're going to be in contact with Yusuf Salam. And if they substantiate for potential bias, which they could because I think it's impossible to prove or disprove, it, which they could because it's based on emotion and they don't really need any data for it, the police officer then is exposed to civil liability. And the police department, if we look at the past, does not indemnify for substantiated civilian complaints. Would this case be any different for the police department? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think that it would be any different. I think that because it is so high profile, the union will go out on a limb for this one particular officer. But for the things that we don't see in the news that we're not going to discuss because we don't know about them or not all over the news, they will not. You know, because that's clearly what what, uh, you know, you see you see the, the PBA, they circle the wagons when it's a big incident in the news. And then if it really doesn't get out there, they just they, yeah, Mo, don't worry about it. Mo. Yeah, May is doing a great job. He gave us a great contract, Mo. you know, and and that's what that's what historically they do. So I'm, I'm saying if they if the CCRB goes after this officer, they should fight that tooth and nail. But even prior to that, there should be some type of suit against New York City Council and, and the, the, the public safety chair. And again, I do believe there should be advocation for him to be removed from that seat because he clearly showed a lack of integrity. Now, I understand that if you were arrested or you were stopped, and again, when I get pulled over, I feel the same way that anyone else does. I've been stopped. I've been arrested. I've been ripped out of my car for no reason and given no explanation um driving while italian happened to me plenty of times in jersey walking while italian happened plenty of times to me in new york city um you know for for nothing toss search up against the car so i understand that it's a traumatic experience and i understand that you could be nervous and misconstrue things too but i don't see it in this case I just don't. The officer was completely polite. The interaction was a null interaction other than a quick, slight pullover. All right, sir, have a great night. Right? I mean, I think he should have drove away with, with his with his head held high. Like, wow, you know, the, the police department respects me. I got myself to this point. Um, you know, I was in jail at one point in my life and a target of the New York City Police Department, and now they respect me. Um, but he didn't. He went the other way. And there was a huge smear campaign. You know, I, I saw articles. Uh, I saw a reporter for City and State, Jeff Colton. He posted Yusef Salam was pulled over apparently for driving while black. 
Well, that's the unfortunate narrative that's going to be brought out to the public because that's sexy. That's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear that the police officer was extremely professional. It's favorable to the NYPD. That's not a sexy story. They want a sexy story, a story that they could bite on. What was the title of this from the New York Post? The title didn't address the fact that the police officer was professional. It just said that the council member was, was pulled over because that's, that's more of a sexy title. I do think that the police officer completely disarmed the situation and he disarmed and alleviated any potential for this to escalate. Again, I go back to de-escalation. I think the police officer did a fantastic job and realized his best recourse was the least amount of engagement, get in, get out. I thought, I thought that was, I just thought it was great, great police work. It was a great observation. He did a great job. I, I'm really disappointed that the council member himself is not praising this police officer in public. I understand he doesn't want to do this right along, but he should be praising this officer saying, you know what? I myself, I got pulled over. I had an interaction with the police department. It was extremely positive. Is a car stop scary? Of course it's scary. It's scary for anyone. It's scary for, for John. It's scary for me. It's, it doesn't matter if you're a criminal or not. Having an authority have power over you to obtain your information, to stop you, to stop you, to tell you where to stop, to tell you to give a, uh, their information, knowing that you could potentially receive a summons that's going to cost you money or just impede your day. Maybe you're in a rush. His mind is on, he's, he's on the phone conducting business. No one, let's be honest, no one, not even cops like getting, getting pulled over by police officers. No one likes it. It's, it's an uncomfortable position. However, the police officer did everything in his power to de-escalate it and bring that situation to a calm. And I, I think the police officer did a fantastic job. And that's what I expect from the council member is to praise the officer and say, these are the interactions we need to see. That's why we want to compile data because we want our data to reflect an interaction as I had. But that takes a big man. That takes a man of character to do that. So I really question the character of you some. I don't know him well. What do I know? I know that he lied to the public. And the question is, why did he do it? Is it for his benefit? Is it for his own gain? Is it so that he gets so that he gets props from his fellow council members? What do you think it's for him to gain? Why would he do this, especially in his position? It was a it was a political strategy. You know, I got pulled over. I was scheduled to do a ride along that I don't want to do because it doesn't matter what the outcome of that ride along is. Even if they prove to me one thing on there, I'm still going through with this bill because I believe that the police unconstitutionally stop people and have a racial bias and racially profile people based on the fact that 97 percent of the stops in New York City are against black and Latinos while ignoring the fact that the victims of violent crime are 98% of the time black and Latino, you know, and I, and again, I don't, you know, we're going to have and when Raymond come on, and we're going to talk about those two facts because we put out a meme. I don't know how to pull it up here right now, but we put out a meme basically making fun of Adrian Adams statement where we gave those two facts. Right. And I do believe that th those two statements are much more nuanced and need to be discussed further because there's a lot more there than just 97% of the people being stopped are, uh, are black and Hispanic. So the police department's racist, you know, there's a lot more nuance in there than just that. And 90, and then there's a lot more nuance than 98% of the people are, uh, 90% of the victims of violent crime are black and Latino. It's 
It's a lot more nuanced than, oh, so now we have to go out and stop all black people because we're not saying that either. You know, we're, we're, it's a lot more nuanced. So we're going to have a conversation surrounding that whole thing um, and, and that whole thing and how many stops. And we're going to go back into that. We're going to do a roundtable. Um, I think that'll be a really good one. So definitely check that out when it comes out. Um, but I think we got to look at, and this is the first time I'm doing this. So Eric, I'm going to ask you to stay muted because I've never done this before. I'm going to try to play you the video from viral news from my Twitter, where you're going to see the mayor's statements now about this stop. And they're highly disturbing to me. And we'll talk about it after. Let's listen to what the mayor is going to say. And uh, hopefully I get this right. I'm going to share my screen. Give me one second. Um, here we go. I wanted to you know, really respond uh, to uh, uh, Councilman Salon. You know, I'm really excited about him. And you know, just like the former public safety chair, I think he brings a level of uniqueness to the role of a public safety chair. Uh, when I spoke with him, we communicated this morning uh, when he shared uh, that he was pulled over last night. Uh, and he and I spoke. I told him I was going to look into it. Uh, the police department immediately uh, looked at uh, the video of, of what happened and being stopped. You know, even you know when I was a police officer, I was stopped several times in a, in a vehicle stop. It is, you know, it could be extremely uh, intimidating and tra traumatic, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a very frightening thing to be uh, stopped. And we need to understand that, and I understand it because I've gone through. Uh, and so, once we look at the video, uh, really hats off uh, to not only the councilman and how he handled it in a very calm manner. But those officers, I spoke to both those officers, those officers were extremely professional um, as they communicated with the council person, as they shared, uh, they identified themselves, I'm officer so-and-so from the 2A precinct. Uh, the councilman responded in a very calm manner. Uh, they asked the, the uh, councilman to roll down his back window because a lot of people don't remember what happened to Officer Timoshenko. I was the board president at the time. Uh, we lost him because someone uh, actually discharged the ground uh, through tinted windows, which is very frightening if you do a car stop to approach a vehicle uh, with uh, tinted windows. What do you think about that, Eric? Oh, boy. Here we go. First of all, he said he's extremely excited about him being council member. He's in a unique position. All right, that's fine, well, Danny, right? But you're the mayor. The police department works for you. And you said on your campaign that the key to prosperity is a safe city, right? Safety was a major concern, right? That that's his, that was his top priority, being the mayor, especially with his background as a, as a captain. I mean, we all know the truth. There's a zero police officer. Never was a cop. But that's his campaign. That's what he stood on about safety. And this council member is supposed to be the public safety. The, the public. He's supposed to amend public safety with the council and the police department and for the public. But what he did not tell you is that the cop is what he did not tell you is that what the council member told him was a complete lie from what actually happened in the body camera footage. Yes, the police officer, we know that the police officer was extremely professional, but he's giving so much credit to the council member, and instead, and it takes extreme character and it takes balls, the mayor, to stand up and say, You know what, council member, I said he's in a unique position, but yes. 
You know why he's in a unique position? Because he lied to the public and he lied to me. My officers were extremely professional and he lied about the encounter. And he should say at that point, forget about you canceling the, the ride along. I'm canceling the ride along for you because you don't deserve to actually partake in this. But the council member just completely lied. Yes, it's, is it intimidating to be involved in the car? Of course it is. But we're going to give him so much credit. Why are we not acknowledging the fact that he put the police officer in a hazardous position of pulling over a car with such dark tinted windows by pulling them over at night, having to conduct a car stop. Anytime a police officer pulls over a car, he's in a vulnerable, he or she is in a vulnerable position. He can get hit by a drunk driver. This is at night. It's a, it's a hazardous condition every time a police officer conducts a traffic stop. But these were negated facts that weren't discussed. Just giving credit, giving credit to the council member and giving credit to the police officer both at the same time, I think it's a complete dichotomy. And it's he, it, it, he always puts himself in a position where he can placate to the moderates and he can placate to the left and, and look like he's doing the right thing. He talks from both sides of his mouth. And that's the part I don't understand. Some of these cops that you and I talk to, they're so excited. They say that Mayor Adams is backing them. And he says some of the right things. But what he says, is it matching his actions? Not in this case. You need to wake up and see what's actually going on. Completely disappointing statement. You see why he has the lowest approval rating of any mayor in New York City history. Um, I mean, the guy is just playing both sides. Like you said, Eric, he does not acknowledge why the council member was pulled over. He does not acknowledge the violations. He does not acknowledge the statement. And, and, and the smear campaign that happened all day, all day was going on. And all day I was doing, release the body camera, release the body camera. And I'm getting threats that I'm going to be sued for defamation of character. I'm like, sure, just release the body camera. Let's go. Um, let's go. Just release the body camera. Sue me for defamation. That's fine. Because I said, and because what, what, what my take on the whole scene was, is I, I believe that if you release the body camera, it will show that the council member misrepresented what happened. And I was right. And, and the, re the reason I said that and the reason I'm right, it's because I found it hard pressed to believe that any cops that dumb to really go back and forth with a, with a New York City council member or to treat them like that or to treat anybody really like that. I mean, again, the, they're on camera. This is all provable stuff like, you know, that so you could say that, oh, cops are terrible people. You know, we get all the, the oink, oink, oink and the pigs and all that. OK, so maybe they're lying for the camera, but they're on camera. So let's see it. Let's play the tape, you know, and uh, that, that statement from the mayor just shows it. You know, that news, uh, that clip was from uh, Viral News New York City. It's Twitter account. He puts it out there. He's been following the mayor around and Kaz Daughtry. Uh, but you know, he is, he is a friend of this podcast. We do speak from time to time. We have differences on the mayor on, on how the mayor wants to lead this city and, uh, and, and the upper echelon of the NYPD, but that's fine. That's it. This is, this is what this is. This is an open platform. And, uh, the other thing I just want to highlight there is that, um, the upper echelon is not going to say anything right about this or go in, into into this at all. Right. They're not going to going to mention this other other than what they did so far. And that that's fine. If you play PR, I think that by releasing the body camera, that was a bold move. And by putting out a statement, that was a bold move. But I do think that. New York City Mayor Eric Adams 
took the advice of this podcast from a month ago, vetoed that bill in an attempt to gather support so that ultimately when the How Many Stops Act goes through, he could literally say, well, I did my job. I did everything that I could do and it went through. What do you feel was the is is the actual goal behind vetoing it? Is it is it to try to actually overturn the bill, or is it just more politics? I mean, this is a pretty bold statement, but I got to be honest. I don't think he knew that if he vetoes it, that two that if two thirds of of the count of the city council vote, it could overturn his veto. I don't even think he knew that. I'm going to say I'm going to actually take credit. For with this podcast and say he found out through this podcast. I don't think he knew. It may sound insulting, but I have to be honest. I don't think he knew. I don't think he was going to veto it until this podcast, but I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's a win-win for him. Again, it's exactly what I said. If he vetoes it, it placates to the moderates and says, hey, you know, I'm a crime fighter. Knowing after this podcast that if two-thirds of city council vote to overturn that veto, it's going to go through anyway. So if he gets to placate to the moderates, he gets to placate to the left, especially with his approval rating right now. I think it's a win-win. I think it was a great move. But until this podcast, I don't think he had any intentions to veto it. He never mentioned it before. I don't think he ever had any intentions to have this How Many Stops Act or to impede it to stop it from actually passing. I think he's actually supporting it, to be honest. I agree 100%. Um, really, you have anything else? Because I just want to do one. I want to talk about one quick thing. You have anything else on this? Uh, we're going on an hour and 12. Anything else on this stop or the How Many Stops Act before we move on to the next? No, no, I think we covered everything. I think it's I think it's it's, it's fantastic. And what's important to note for the public is that the How Many Stops Act is not relevant to this car stop. And, I, and it just proves also that Yuslam himself is going to grandstand and use this to to propel this how many stops at it's not relevant and it just shows a, a clear a clear inadequacy for understanding of police work from the city council especially someone that's supposed to be mending a, a relationship with public safety and the police department the public there's absolutely no understanding of police work we need someone with police expertise in that position and edwin raymond would have been a, actually would have been a great person for that spot, whether we agree with everything he says, but at least he has police expertise and has an understanding of the civil linings of police work where you himself does not know the police. Work. And I don't think that they actually understand the how many stops act themselves. I don't believe that they understand the levels of intrusion and actually the case of people versus the board. I just think they they'll take every opportunity to have every layer to strip towards the police department to ultimately abolish the police. And, and for that, that's, that's all I have to say. If you have something else to bring up, let's do it. Yeah. No, but I, I before I go on the other thing, because I want to talk about the detective that got his own case overturned. I just want to get your thoughts on that. I think we should just go on record with that one. I think I think people would love to hear the most complaining cops thoughts about that one. Um, so but before we do, I just want to just one more thing on that. I do think that Edwin Raymond would have been much, much better as, as a, a public safety chair for the New York City Council. Mm -hmm. Um, Edwin Raymond in his book, if you haven't checked it out, he speaks a lot about cosmetic diversity and he speaks a lot about how you could put all black faces in the police department to lead the police department. But if nothing changed, but if nothing changes in the system, the system stays the same. 
And and that's basically what we've seen. Like diversity in the New York City Police Department is cosmetic. And I agree with him 1000% because there's been no significant change. It doesn't matter. Where I think I lose and I think I think most of you will lose will lose him on is when he says that the New York City Police Department is systemically racist. That's when I get lost in 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 his argument. Um, but it's something he's willing to explore and discuss where other people will not. Right. It's just, no, this is the fact. And if you don't agree with me, you're a racist. It's like, OK, how do we have a conversation with uh, at that point? Um, so I don't believe that the New York City Police Department is systemically racist towards any community in this city. I do believe they are looking for ways to bring down crime where crime is the highest. Uh, unfortunately, currently, that's in neighborhoods that are made up of black and brown individuals, right? Black and Hispanic. It's, it's, it's just a fact of the matter. At one time, the highest crime rates in New York City were Italian and Jewish communities. And that that is not the case anymore. Um, so I do believe that that is the target and that is the overall mission of most of the NYPD, except for the party department in the upper echelon, who they just want to go party and do whatever else. Uh, but I do believe the men and women, the hard working men and women in this department, their job is to it, it, and their mission is to drive down crime. I just think a lot of bad ideas have came out in 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 the last 20 years. And a lot of it was pure laziness uh, driven on quotas. And again, I don't believe the quotas were racist. I just believe they were growth. I agree. I mean, even when we talk about this car stop in itself and. I think the argument for the Civilian Complaint Review Board, if they take this as far as we believe they're going to take it, is that the laws of probability is that the cop knew he's pulling someone over that is black. And this, this ideology can be favorable to the police officer and also unfavorable. Why? This police officer, despite the fact of his race, but he's working in Harlem. And the demographics of Harlem, I'm pretty confident, is about 98 or 99% black and Hispanic. So on the flip side, the CCRB could say, based on the laws of probability, the cop knew that he's going to pull someone over for being black. And I believe that could be an opportunity where they go with this bias. And where I say it's favorable to the police officers, the fact that the police officers doing intrusive police work. So he's always going, he or she will always be painted as a racist because documenting these vehicle stops, if 98 to 99% of that area is black and brown, well, that's going to be reflective of his intrusive police work on his vehicle stops. It is going to say that he is racist. And the argument is, well, who am I going to pull over? The demographics of this neighborhood reflect the police work that I do. So that's where I think the problem is. And it, it could be just complete semantics. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, if you look back at my career, right? I locked up I probably 96% male whites, probably a very, very overwhelming majority of them were Italian males that I locked up. Does that, does that mean that I'm biased against Italians? Does that mean that I'm biased against male whites? No, that was the demographics of the area that I policed in when I was a cop. Right. Um, and the same goes for this. How many how many stops act or we should call it the real name? How many encounters? How many times uh, New York City police officers interact with, with the public? Is that data 
going, what is it going to actually prove? Now, I'm all for transparency. I'm all for seeing how many stops you you guys and girls actually do. And I believe it's phenomenal amount, and it'll it'll prove how much restraint you guys actually do have where you interact with the public so often and and really the overwhelming majority of them are positive interactions with the public that you never hear about right and i think it'll 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 help to prove that but that's not what the goal of this is the goal is to say that you're doing unconstitutional stops and that you're targeting black and brown people without taking into account the demographics of where people work and again or or what cops do right so it's 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 one of those things. I think it's being highly misused. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation with Edwin Raymond here and his thoughts on that. I think there should be. I think that the how many stops act itself is absolutely ridiculous. Just box the police down with more paperwork, and if done properly, which I don't think it's going to be done properly, if done properly, it would bring policing to a halt. What I think is going to happen is I think the police officers are going to bypass administrative procedures to get the job done just as we've done for many years and we continue to do we cut corners so that we can actually implement public safety so police officers spite their own nose to bite their face so i believe that's what's going to happen i think what should happen is i think there should be test subjects and i think that they should take i, I think there should be some type of random pick maybe several cops in each borough and we take let's say uh rhetorically speaking John and myself. Let's say, okay, for a six-month period, they have us work in the one, two, three, three, three. And then for a six-month period, John and I will then work in the seven, five precinct. And then a six-month period, we'll work in the fifth precinct. And simultaneously, while two other cops are working in the four old precinct who are black, and those two cops are then working in the one, two, three. And then six months later, they're working the fifth. And then, now we have a control. Then we can compare the data. And then we can see, is there any racism? And I would put my money that John and myself and two other police officers that are bouncing around from different precincts based on different demographics are policing the same and the results are going to be the same. It's not going to be racist. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's too many variables in that. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that was a good thing. I mean, I, I you know, again, what did the guy get injured? Is he hurt? What's his motivation level at that time? Does he know the command? Does he there's, there's so many variables and bouncing people around? I mean, honestly, what, what I see is they're looking to segregate the police department. Oh, only black people should be stopped by black cops. Only white people should be stopped by white cops. Do it. Do that. Segregate the police department. Say white people can only stop white people. Black cops can only stop black cops. And then take the data and tell me that the police department's racist because that's ultimately what the data will show at the end of the day because it doesn't matter. They're not actually looking for the truth. They're just going on the data, right? Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the ultimate goal of that is um, to prove bias in the New York City Police Department. I believe the New York City Police Department, if you want to look at bias and you want to look at numbers, we should be saying that they're misogynistic and now excuse me, not misogynistic, that they have a clear bias towards men because the overwhelming majority of people that they arrest, regardless of their skin color, are men. They have a gender bias. They hate men. The New York City Police Department hates men. But we're not going to look at that. Why? Because it's ridiculous, because men <laughs> commit the majority of violent crime nationwide and in New York City. So <clears throat> I, I wouldn't I, I like. 
I want to, I want you to prove the bias before I defend the bias. Prove the bias. Prove that it's there. Because they've done a miserable job of doing it this last uh, 10 years. I, I, I don't see it. Well, my point to this idea of doing test subjects moving around is that you can't prove or disprove bias. And that what you're going to see is that police officers police based on the demographics and in relation to the crime that's in that area. If you and I were both working the one, two, three, I'm pretty confident that our our arrest would be predominantly white. It'd probably be Italian males. It'd probably be, you know, males of Irish descent, maybe Jewish descent. Then those, those would be our interactions because the demographics of the area. If we lock up somebody who's black, there are there are some black people that live in the one two three precinct, very very few, but most of them would be transient. And if you and I are both working together in the four old precinct, the seven five precinct, our arrests are going to be black males. I think that's a great point, though. Most of the interactions we have are male driven. We we lock up men. Men commit most of the crime. Do we lock up women? Yes, but the overall majority is men. So that could be another bias that they look at. Also, it's just completely flawed. I think ultimately. I'm going to say that I just, in my opinion, you cannot prove or disprove this bias unless someone outright said it, which is just complete imagination. I, I, I think for furthest thing from the truth that we would see for someone to actually stop someone and say, hey, I pulled you over because you're black or I pulled you over because you're bald. Like you use that incident. I, I don't think we'll ever hear that, that someone would have to be really stupid. So other than that, I think it's impossible to prove or disprove. Yeah, so moving forward, uh, before we end, I just want to talk quick about the CCRB. Homicide detective, I believe in Queens, gets his CCRB from a detail he goes. He winds up getting arrested. He's out there in uniform. He gets an arrest. The them or they or however they consider themselves is non-binary and files a CCRB against the officer saying that he misgenders. Um, body camera clearly debunks it clearly debunks that he misgenders anyone i think i think it shows that he asked the individual how they would like to be addressed he was nothing but professional but even though the body camera disproved it he was found substantiated on that charge he goes out on his own he emails the executive director of the ccrb jonathan darsh and he's like, hey, listen, this is this is the evidence that was used against me. I don't see how I was found guilty. Right. Obviously, he's a homicide detective. He knows how to investigate things. Right. He's like, how could you find me guilty when you clearly see on on the on the body camera that it was John Dars looks at it and overturns the decision and he doesn't exonerate him. He gives him an unsubstantiated. So now. Just like Eric Dim has happened several times, more than several times with Eric, where <clears throat> it was basically disproven. This will stay on his record forever and will affect him the rest of his professional life, regardless that it never happened. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Oh, absolutely. I, I believe that an allegation of a civilian complaint that ultimately leads to a substantiation is on parallel with a rape allegation. If you get a rape allegation, whether you're guilty or not, you're stained forever. And this, in this 58, that is ultimately the significance and the purpose of it. It's just to stain your record as a police officer, to make you unattractive in the NYPD, destroy your career. And then ultimately in the afterlife of the NYPD, 
make you unattractable to any profession, not just law enforcement, but any profession to make you unattractive to get a good paying job in, in the work in the workforce in, in America. And I think ultimately that's the idea of the 58. You're staying forever. I, I think that actually in my case, you know, one in particular, the accusation was that I stuck my finger in someone's rear during an arrest. And that case, I took to trial. That case was dis that case was dismissed. I was found not guilty. But yet, if you refer to my 58, it still says substantiated. It doesn't tell you the inner lines of the case. It doesn't say it was overturned. It doesn't say I was found not guilty. So that's a state forever. I'll always have an accusation that I stuck my finger in someone's rear. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think this 58 has to be amended and changed. I don't think that that uh, a substantiation should stay on your record forever, even if you're found guilty, but especially if you're exonerated or unsubstantiated, there should be some type of statute of limitations. I, I believe after three years, they should come off your record. We talk about the Clean Slate Act. And with the Clean Slate Act, violent perpetrators have an opportunity and a second chance at life. But yet police officers don't, and you're staying forever. Yeah, no, only rapists, murderers, burglars, people that uh, rob people, only they get to get clean slates. Police officers, never you're the worst police officers and conservatives because if you have a conservative point of view in new york city you're evil if you're if you align with donald trump you're evil you know um that's that's what we've seen what do you think about this detective having to go out on his own though what are your thoughts on that i mean because i mean to me that sits out there like that's the biggest thing to me i'm like why did he have to get it overturned what did he pay union dues for what are you doing paul de giacomo what are you doing well, I've, I've put out numerous tweets, especially on Instagram. I broke down for the police officers, not the detectives. This is a detective we're talking about. But I broke down for the police officers that they pay $51.84 on a biweekly basis. Approximately 20,000 members that are in the PBA, union members. That would be about approximately $26 million a year that's going to the union. And so that's why I ask, why are we... And when I say we, police officers, detectives, captains, lieutenants, sergeants, why are we still paying union dues? And this was my question, and I still ask it. Anytime a police officer, detective, sergeant, lieutenant, is involved in a pickle, a jam, they are using their own funds and their own attorneys. So that's why I asked this question. Can you name a police officer or any rank that the union saved their career? That without the union, their career would not have been saved, other than utilizing their own funds to use their own attorney. Can you think of one? I can't. Oh, I can't either. I, if you're asking me, I can't. I can't at all. Yeah. I think this shows a glaring hypocrisy in in, in the unions itself. Um, I think as much as it's this kid just put out a blueprint, he put out a blueprint for all of you. So I think everyone should have this article in their locker for when you get a CCRB and, and, and get in contact with this kid and speak with him and see how, give him a shoot him an email. I mean, his name's out there. Be like, Hey, you know, what, what would you recommend? I, I mean, cause on it, he did it. He set out, he set the blueprint. He set the blueprint that the union should have, right? Cause he had a union attorney. The union actually did represent him. Right. But did they really represent him? 
Did they really? No, he had to go out on his own to overturn that. He had clear and convincing evidence that it never happened and there was no stink. So it's in my opinion that as much as the union's going to now rah, 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 rah about CCRB, they, I guarantee, were very mad at this gentleman that he did that. And he went around them. Oh, I got egg on my face now, Mo. Because again, what are we seeing? We're seeing the police department from the upper echelons. And we're seeing the uh, unions. They think that they're mob characters. They think that they're mob. Well, you got John Shell talking about this thing of ours. Or like they, like I said, like I, I, re- I truly believe that they believe that me and Eric are rats. That we, we swore Omerta that we swore the code of silence as criminal thieves, that we would never go against this family that threw us to the wolves, you know, because we didn't do that, you know? And I truly believe that the talk in those offices, not everybody, but I think most of them was in a negative light. So this detective, why does he got to make it a big deal for? Why can't he just go away? Just leave it alone. It's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal that that there's a lie and a smear on this person's record for the rest of their life. And I just want to give that. I don't know that detective personally, but I just want to give him kudos because honestly, I don't I don't think I would have been able to do it either. I probably would have just took it on the chin and walked away. And Eric, you have right like you didn't even know that you could appeal these things later on. Right. I mean, you fought them. You took them to trial. But he actually went a different route and saw seek to get it overturned. I had no idea. It's interesting. I'm actually I'm super proud of this detective, and I you know I actually wish that I would have taken that opportunity and, and took that route. I think it was extremely brilliant. I myself I was constantly in contact with the union, especially the LBA, and say, listen, I want to have a conversation. Put me in a conference with Jonathan Dar so I can discuss some of these issues and find out why I'm a target, and and maybe we can have a better understanding. And actually, I could ex- actually explain the inner linings of special operations and the observation skills and and, and give a better perception and, and understanding if we can meet face to face. And again, I was always silenced and I was told, I don't worry about it. You know, you lose a couple of days, but you're going to get a great pension. Yeah, it's easy for them. It's okay for them, but it wasn't okay for me. So again, to this detective, if you're watching this, we know you can't come on the podcast right now because you're, you're currently active, but I just want to extend, uh, and tell you that I'm, I'm proud of you. You know, I, I, I wish I would have done it myself. I think it's outstanding. I was completely silenced. I think you did a fantastic job. And you really exposed what we always say is that you're staying forever. So even though you, you've won that, and, and it's unfortunate, but that stain is still on you. So I, I agree with you. It's it's It changes your life. It changes your trajectory. I mean, you said your professional life, but I think it ultimately changes your entire life. Because at any time, if someone Googles your name, that will come up. I mean, if you're a single guy and you're out there, especially – in the day of the internet and you meet a woman and she decides you know what you have a conversation you're going on on a date she wants to find out if you're some maniac so she goes out and she googles your name and she, you know in fact you know i'm not a single guy but if she types up eric then she's gonna say oh my god this guy's a monster he pointed his gun at someone he stuck his finger in someone's rear so it doesn't just what's that <laughs> i said she might be in that <laughs> But it's, I tell you what, you know, it doesn't just affect your professional life. I really do. I think ultimately it affects your entire life. I, I really do think so. Again, you know, um, 
There was one thing I, I one more thing I wanted to mention, but I'm trying to remember what it is. Maybe after you say something, it'll come back to me. Yeah, no, but that that's a great point. You know, I I didn't even think of that too. You're right. You're right. Everybody right, your 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 kids uh your your kid meets a new friend and the friend's like, Oh, my 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 daddy's uh Eric Dim. Oh, let me oh, could we have a sleepover at Eric Dim's house? Oh my god, no way, you know. You can't go to that guy. That guy's a maniac. You know, a hundred percent. You're right. You're right. I never even looked at it. It's not just your professional life. It is your, it is your entire life. Um, so kudos to you, detective. Well, we don't know you. We would invite you on the podcast, but we don't want you to be a target of this podcast because we're, you know, God forbid you give your opinion against the NYPD. They're going to come at you like a bunch of little girls and send their, Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, go get John and scare him. So that he'll pull, he'll shut his podcast down. You know, um, all, all these things, they're going to go get all their friends to try to scare you. So when you do retire, if you're eligible for retirement soon, when you do come on, if you want to come on, we'd love to have you. We'd love to lay that blueprint out for you. We'd love to give you a platform to convey that message to the men and women in the New York City Police Department. So get in contact with us when you're done and we'll speak. You know, it's uh, it is kind of funny just since we're talking about it, we we, we haven't delved into it too much. Uh, on this podcast, but I will say it's quite interesting when you talk about Omerita, because when I was when, when in the, my last year on the job, there was no loyalty towards me. There was no loyalty towards you. No one stood up for us, but yet they expect us right now to stand up for them. There was no loyalty. You were supposed to fight for John when it came to this mandate, and not just John, everyone else that was affected by this mandate. And you were supposed to fight for me. I was out there doing what you paid me and trained me to do. I was doing a truce of police work. I was a special operations lieutenant. My job was to go out there with talented men and women and get guns off the street. And yet, and it was acknowledged every time I would go to the civilian uh, to a civilian complaint investigation where I was interviewed, it was acknowledged by the attorney that was there on behalf of the LBA that, hey, if this was someone else, this would probably not even be a detained, or this would just be unfounded. But because it's you, Eric, they'll probably give you charges or substantiate it. Why is it me? And that's why I was disappointed in the union that they never took a preemptive strike and tried to figure out why are they going after Eric Dim specifically? Is it because he was a white alpha male? What was it? What was it? Because I was out there arresting the criminals, black criminals, in an area that was the demographics were black. But they didn't explore this. They didn't fight for me. So we're not rats. You don't have any loyalty to us. I don't have any loyalty to you. We made an internal affairs complaint. I have no problem saying it. I'm proud of saying it because this is bigger than just me and John. Me and John are very tolerable of the attacks that we got, the slander. We're very tolerable. We were going to let it go. But when pictures start getting exposed of kids threatening our families, there's a line that's been crossed. I have no problem. I'm proud of it. And if anyone has an issue with it, you can defriend me right now. I'm losing friends every day as it is. Everyone's scared to talk to me. They're scared to talk to John because the way to the police department, we become enemy of the state. And that's fine. If you don't want to talk to me and you don't want to talk to John because you're scared, that's fine. But don't pretend you don't know that they're talking about it. Don't pretend that you, you know that the way to the police department is not coming on us. Don't pretend because we all know it's there. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we we even let I even let when people were asking where I live and where I work, when active cops are calling my friends and people I know and acquaintances I have and people that they think hate me to find out where I live and where I work so they could try to do nefarious, dirty things to try to hurt my money, not knowing that I own my own business because they're so dumb. They only know what they're told um, that. I even let that slide because I was like, you know what? They can't do anything to me anyway. I don't, I could care less. Let them call, let them call the business I own. You know, go ahead. <laughs> Good luck to you. You know, <laughs> um, I'll take the complaint for you. Don't worry about it. Um, but I even let that slide. But now you're sending nefarious people with false information to come after me. You're sending images that look like our children with threats making death threats that's not conduct becoming of an officer and i'm going to go as far as to not only should that guy be uh stripped of relieved of his duties but whoever knows him and hasn't said a word you should also be stripped of your duty so i have no shame in this i never had many friends anyway so i don't really care i always had a lot of acquaintances i'm a nice guy I say hello to everybody i don't care if you're the janitor or the chief i talk exactly the same i this is my demeanor it doesn't change um and, you know, I just think it, you guys went too far and that's and that's where it is. So, uh, you know, I was disappointed in the Hellgate article. Like I said earlier, I thought it should have dwelled into everything that was actually going on with this podcast and the allegations that we're making. And uh, I have no faith in the Internal Affairs Bureau. I mean, and at some point uh, we'll see how that investigation ends. And if it doesn't end the way that we want it to end, uh, we will go public with exactly what what the details of that investigation were and, 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 and the exchanges. Honestly, I'm I'm completely disappointed that there's a cop that's out there right now, an active member hiding behind a fake beam called Old Cops Awoke, who's completely un unhinged, unstable, carries a badge and a gun. I'm completely disappointed about it. And the bigger issue is not even just a safety trust. The bigger issue is that he or she is a danger to himself and everyone else. This this should not be someone that carries a gun and a, a gun and a shield. But I'm more disappointed that there are cops out there right now that know the identity, know, and listen, we get it. You knew that John and I were being attacked and you didn't say anything. You knew that there were memes and jokes. That's fine. We actually laughed it off ourselves. We were pretty tolerable. We didn't want anyone to get exposed to this. But once families start getting threatened and we're talking about kids, pictures that, that the implications that they're going to come off, come after our families, pictures of maps, pictures of duct tape and, uh, and zip ties referencing a potential home invasion. I mean, this is crazy. Right? When I think of that, I think of the movie with Gerard Butler. Uh, you know, it's just insane. A law-abiding citizen. But no one spoke out and said anything. And still, no one's saying who it is. And there are cops out there that know. And I'm saying this right now. I don't care if you talk shit about myself and John that we made a complaint. I don't care. What I can tell you is this. If you know the identity of all cops are woke and you refuse to give up that information, you could defend me right now because to me, you're even worse. You are worse than all cops are woke and you don't deserve the badge either. Oh, yeah. Forget forget defriend me. I'm coming. I'm coming for your job. You could forget because we're, we're clearly not friends. I don't I don't think you should be a police officer. I'm coming for your job. Um, because that, that is completely wrong and people could call me a rat. You know, I, I did, uh, we, we, I, I solved the burglary pattern. One of the many burglary patterns I solved in my career and it happened to be some kids that I was actually new from, uh, Bensonhurst. 
And when I had the kid in the interrogation room, he said to me, how do you live with yourself? How do you sleep with yourself at night? You're a rat. And I'm like, I'm a rat. I'm like, you break into old ladies' houses and you think that I'm a rat because I serve the public? Because when I walk around this neighborhood, people know that I'm a cop and know that I do the right thing and I hold my head with integrity and know my family and know where I sleep at night and you think I'm a rat? I'm like, you're the rat. And the same thing here. You're going to say that me and Eric, them are rats? Call me whatever you like, but you're the rat and you know it. You're a sneaky, sniveling little rat. You and anyone else keeping your mouth shut about it. You're all cowards. And I keep getting calls. Oh, be careful. Be careful about your pension, Mo. Be careful about this. Listen, I'm going to tell you like I've been telling everybody. I'm going to just make it public. This is you. It's a box, right? And you can infer what you want because that is you. You're a female cat. All of yous. you. Because you, you think I'm worried about my pension? You think Eric's worries about his pension because we put out satirical memes and give our opinions? This is how you want to live in this country? This is the country you're going to live with your children? You're going to hide behind that you have a pension coming? Are you serious? You got to do some serious soul searching, all of you, because I'm sick of hearing about the pensions and my pension and the 2% and the 5% and the this percent. Pretty soon there's going to be no pension because you're going to be so scared. You're going to have hid behind absolutely everything and it'll all be gone. So keep your own fears to yourself because it's not going to infect me. And believe me, I'm going to insult you like I've been doing. This is you, box. At no, at no point should we ever hear the, these things that we hear. We shouldn't hear that, hey, what did you expect? You're talking bad about the police department. Like, like we should expect, listen, we get it. We're being critical of the police department, we're being critical of politics, we're being critical of legislation. We expect that we're going to get opposition and hatred. We expect that. We expect even satirical memes, of, satirical memes about the podcast. And we laugh at it. We're open to it. But actual threats in the way that the police department brought upon us, that we don't expect. But the implication, oh, what did you expect? Hey, maybe they're going to come after your pension. This is the most ridiculous thing. So you're, it's okay with you. You can actually sleep at night, look up at the mirror, look up at the ceiling and say to yourself, oh, wow, I can never speak about the police department because they're going to come after me. I won't be able to feed my family. I have to keep my mouth shut. Do you realize what you're saying? You cannot give your opinion. I get it. When you're, when you're active on the job and you're employed by the police department, you can't talk bad about your employer. That makes a lot of sense. But you're retired. Let's get something straight. We are not cops anymore. We are civilians. And for all cops are woke, and for the cops that know who all cops are woke, you're not cops either. Oh, absolutely. If, if Eric Adams right now turns around, he says, oh, I got to sleep with all your wives uh, because it's for public safety. I have to sleep with all your wives. You'd all give up your wife. I have to. It's my pension. I got two years. I got four years. Oh, I'm going to do 27. No, I got it. Oh, I'm going to be a captain. Oh, I'm going to do this. You know, you'd all do it. Like, I don't think you wouldn't. Like, you know, search, search your own soul. You do it. You'd be like, oh, yeah, no, he, no, he's a good guy, Eric Adams. He just got to sleep with my wife because for public safety, you know, for public safety. So, I mean, because that's literally where we're getting to at this point. And, and Eric, would, would you say that they said, what do you expect? You know what I didn't expect? I didn't expect that the police the police commissioner would send his mobster friend with lies to come after me. I didn't expect that active police officers would make online threats against our children. I didn't expect those things. That's what I didn't expect. Well, I, mostly, I, 
I didn't expect that the cops would actually sit by. I always said we police our own. I said on the podcast, I talk about social media. I really believe that. I would say we don't even need internal affairs. It's only for some exceptional things, a full-out investigation. We need to find out maybe some cops that are out there robbing banks. But do we really need an entire internal affairs bureau? I don't think so. I didn't think so because I figured we police our own. I can tell you right now, if there was a cop out there threatening other cops' families with pictures, implying their kids, John said it, and I'll say it. We'll arrest you ourselves. I don't need internal affairs. I'd be happy to put the handcuffs on you. You're an animal. You don't deserve to have this badge and this gun. But for the cops that are out there, that you know, you know the identity of all cops of all. And John and I were very tolerable. We don't care about the memes. Those were funny, the satirical memes, the jokes. We don't even pay attention to it. But the cops that, that identified themselves, that were giving us threats and inviting us to fight at a bar, we don't care about that stuff. We let it go. But when you start threatening families, the game is over. You cross the line. And for the cops out there that know the identity and can't identify that the line has been crossed because you're too scared to speak out, you'll actually go with the masses to stay comfortable with the men and women that you work with in the police department. Coward. That's what you are. Coward. And I have no use for you. You're not a friend of mine. Absolutely not. And you know what? When we find out who all cops are woke is, maybe won't we, we won't just come and have a conversation with all cops are woke. Maybe we'll have a conversation with you too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's 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 infuriating. I'm not gonna lie. It's completely infuriating. Um, and just and just the cowardice amongst men and the and the apathy in the hearts of men, especially men that I worked with and men that I loved and respected. Um, and I actually a lot of men that I, I used to look up to. Um it, it's it's very disappointing to me. And I, I just think, and those are the things, that's what I didn't expect. I, we expected the memes. We expected people to trash us, talk about our careers. I don't care. We were sharing. We were sharing them. We were making fun of ourselves, sharing it. But, but, but that, that, that all, that all changed. That all changed. You know, it, this got, this went way, absolutely way too far. Uh, let's can we, wait, can, we, can we make one thing? No, no. It's important. You said earlier that AI does a stuff for us. And they do a lot of stuff, but I want people to know that the satire memes that come out on a daily basis, daily basis about the NYPD are by a talented, a talented person that we know, who we're not going to disclose the identity, but that is some pure talent of exposing the NYPD, the weak management through satirical memes. Uh, we have somebody who does a, a production fantastic job. That is not AI. So I just want to say that. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the the video clips I said were AI. The the satirical memes are from a very talented individual at this apart this department. Also, threw in the trash, and one day his his identity will be revealed as well. And I think it'll be a shock to everybody as well, because um, he's 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 a uh, you know he's an inconvenient person, right? He's his career was inconvenient. And the reason why he's no longer with this department is inconvenient. Um, so he's part of the finest unfiltered. Uh, it's Alamo defender, Alamo defender one at Alamo defender one on Twitter. If you guys want to follow him, he doesn't just make memes for this podcast. He does a lot of other memes. Um, I personally think he's much more talented than the Babylon B. 
uh, Babylon B goes on national uh, national news and 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 you know and they get stuff. I've seen a lot of stuff they did about the border recently. Very funny. But anything involving the New York City Police Department, New York City politics. I mean, Alamo Defender One is the guy, and find and you'll find them at the finest unfiltered. Um, so that's it. So we're gonna keep going. We got a couple of great shows lined up. We're gonna get more onto the. Uh, on, onto every different topic and we got to start having people come back on we got a little sidetrack with all this nonsense that's been going on uh, but we'll be back on you know 2024 is going to be a hell of a year hell of a ride take the ride with us eric you want to end with anything no nah, that's outstanding i think we i i think we nailed it home all right i think that's awesome Listen, ladies and gentlemen, 265 Police Live brought to you by New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. Be right back at you. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE.